From the heartland of America and the gateway to the West, good morning, good evening, wherever you may be across the nation, around the world. I'm George Norrie. Welcome to Coast to Coast AM. Later tonight, parapsychology. And welcome to our final Christmas holiday show of 2022. Special thanks to Connie Willis for hosting Saturday and Sunday this past weekend. Thank you, Connie. And a special Coast to Coast AM happy birthday to Nadia in Ohio. Great listener. Hope you have a great birthday, Nadia. Here's what's happening. The snow continues to fall and the number of casualties continues to climb in western New York as one of the most severe winter storms in the region's recorded history pummels residents. As of early Monday afternoon, reports that the death toll at 28 in New York, 57 total in the United States. Unbelievable. Thousands of residents were without power near Tacoma, Washington, after three electrical substations were vandalized, the Pierce County Sheriff's Department said the robberies were reported at two substations belonging to Tacoma Public Utilities and another belonging to Puget Sound Energy. The deputies cited forced entry into the fenced area with equipment vandalized but nothing taken from the sites. More than 14,000 customers affected there. A U.S. Treasury Department request for public input on a potential federal cyber insurance program highlights a coverage gap for U.S. companies as insurers reduce offerings. The regulator is seeking public comment until November 14th on whether the government needs to shore up the insurance industry to pay for severe cyber attacks, especially those involving critical infrastructure such as power grids, train lines, hospitals, and utility companies. This story caught the eye of our Lauren Weinstein. Lauren, what, uh, what do you think of this story? talked many times in the past about cyber attacks on businesses and that often businesses will pay very large ransoms, and that's what they are, ransoms, to get back into operation. But what we haven't really discussed is where that money to pay those ransoms comes from. And often it's from insurance companies. And as you might guess, many insurance companies are very unhappy about this. This is especially the case when successful cyber attacks are associated with firms not taking enough steps to secure their systems against the attacks in the first place, and they don't have sufficient backups for recovery. So, of course, various insurance companies have now drastically raised their cyber insurance rates or, in some cases, have stopped selling certain kinds of cyber insurance entirely. Now, the thing is, some of these firms who are being attacked are crucial. They can't just be permitted to go under critical infrastructure, hospitals, there's a whole long list. So the federal government, as you were saying, has begun exploring the possibility of providing insurance companies with a backstop of funding for catastrophic cyber attacks affecting critical industries. Now, this idea, and this could take years to actually happen if it does happen, is to encourage insurance companies to keep writing affordable policies for these situations. Part of their financial risk would be transferred to the federal government. Now, as you can imagine, there's all kinds of complexities to such a concept because you don't want to encourage companies not to improve their cyber, uh, cyber safety regimes, mm-hmm. and you don't want insurance companies writing federally backstopped cyber policies to firms that aren't doing enough to protect their systems. So whether or not this plan ever actually happens is a big question mark right now. But we do know for certain that the need to even be considering such a program would be far less likely if firms were protecting themselves appropriately from cyber attacks in the first place. And most of the ongoing cyber attacks that we're still seeing seem to mainly use the same old techniques that are fairly straightforward to protect against, and appropriately protected system backups are also key to avoiding being taken down by these attacks. 
So again, if these steps were taken in advance, then there likely wouldn't even be a need to consider getting the federal government involved financially in this, and really that would be far better for everyone. Lauren, how widespread are these cyber attacks? It, it, de- it depends on, on the particular kind you're, you're, you, you really are talking about. The large-scale ones, the ones that go after very large, co- uh, very large companies where there's a lot of money involved, um, are happening frequently, but the problem is we don't necessarily know how frequently because there aren't reporting requirements that are, that are generally applied either. So we can only go from the statistics that we get from firms that speak out on this. We don't necessarily know uh, what's happening where they just pay the money and the attackers go away. And this is another area of concern because there are moves to uh, increase the requirements, the reporting requirements, so that when a company is attacked this way, the public is informed. This is very, very important. Absolutely. Lauren, thank you so much, my friend. Facebook owner Meta has agreed to pay $725 million to settle legal action over a data breach linked to political consultancy company Cambridge Analytica. The long-running dispute accused the social media giant of allowing third parties, including this British firm, to access Facebook users' personal data. Vladimir Putin said Russia was open to negotiations over the war in Ukraine and blamed the Ukraine and its Western backers for lack of talks, a stance Washington has previously dismissed as posturing amid persistent Russian attacks. We shall see if Putin means what he says. The world faces a recession in 2023. Higher borrowing costs aimed at tackling inflation caused a number of economies to contract according to the Center for Economics and Business Research. In a moment, George Ure joins us to talk about what kind of financial year we're going to have next year, which is only a few weeks away. Stephen Cates, Dr. Sky, is looking at the skies these days. Stephen, what do you got for us? Oh, yes. Happy holidays, George. As we wrap up 2022, here's some amazing milestones in space. The James Webb Telescope launched, hard to believe, George, a year ago on Christmas Day has stunned observers and scientists with some amazing images and developments. Let's take a look at that. Like peering back in time to only some 2% after the initial Big Bang expansion, thought to have occurred, as many might know, 13.77 billion years ago. Imaging objects, like the creation of stars and galaxies, only 330 million years after that Big Bang creation event, with its large 21-foot mirror cluster, it continues to amaze us from its steady one-million-mile mark from the Earth, and it's ready to deliver many more new and exciting discoveries as we await 2023. I can't wait. Isn't that amazing, George? I mean, it's sure in a short time. The backstory launched from French Guiana on board the powerful Ariane 5 rocket using the Earth's extra rotation speed near the equator to get the telescope into orbit. But other big space news as we wrap up the year came, of course, from SpaceX and its many successful launches. Blue Origin, Space Taurus launches, and NASA's Artemis 1, the long-awaited moon mission, and the Orion moon distance record. How about the DART spacecraft that impacted and actually moved and deflected an asteroid, a small one, but it didn't. Mars's Ingenuity helicopter sets a distance and height record, and China builds a large space station called Tiangong in orbit. But there's so much more to talk about. But, George, looking into our crystal ball as we look into major events in the sky in 2023, here's just a few. There'll be 13 full moons in 2023, but no total lunar eclipses for us in North America or on Earth in that year. But how about this? A major annual eclipse of the sun 
of the northwestern part of the U.S. and southwest on Saturday, October the 14th, 2023, which builds up to the really big event, which we've talked about before, the major total solar eclipse of April the 8th of 2024, not that far away. A new comet known as C-2022-E3, otherwise known as Comet ZTF, may brighten as we move into the month of January. It could be visible to the naked eye. I technically doubt it, but a pair of binoculars will be best. More on that in January. In the live sky, how about this? All of the seven major planets were around in the evening sky after sunset along the zodiac. Some are visible to the naked eye, but others are simply there. We begin with Venus and Mercury, low in the southwest at sunset, moving to the left along the zodiac, Saturn, then continuing left along the zodiac, faint Neptune, and continuing left still as we move along the zodiac, bright Jupiter, easy to see, then Uranus, and finally, the brilliant planet Mars. Why is that important? All the major planets, obviously counting the Earth as the eighth, as we see in the sky, within 135 degrees of sky, that's very close. More information always at theskylive.com. Emails, we love them always, Show at gmail.com. We say it, we mean it, and we love it. Always remember to keep your eyes to the skies. I'm simply your navigator, and the show's on the highway to the heaven. Heavens, lots more, George, as we come, of course, to the new year. Lots to share with you and the audience in 2023, and we wish simply everyone a healthy and happy 2023. Happy Do- year. Dr. Sky, have you seen the movie Life on Amazon Prime? You know, I have not, George, and that's uh, something I'll add to my list of, wow, it's a long list this holiday season. <laughs> it's about astronauts on the International Space Station. you got to watch it. I certainly will, and thank you for that tip. Dr. Sky, he does it like nobody else. In a moment, George, you're back with us. We're going to talk about the year ahead next on Coast to Coast AM. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. We ring in the new year next Sunday. What will the year be like? Business consultant, financial writer George Yur has been a senior vice president of an international airline, a vocational school president, and had a two-year sales and marketing assignment for a major software company. He has a master's degree in business and publishes UrbanSurvival.com and also Peopleomics.com. Welcome back, George. How are you? Well, I'm looking forward to the biggest event of 2023, George, and that's next month. That's right. It's happening, isn't it? Yes, you will have been driving coast for 20 years, buddy. It's a long time, my friend. man. Hey, did you see the story about Southwest canceling 60% of their flights? 64% of Oh, it keeps right going now. up. My yeah, gosh. Yeah. I mean, it, and, and they're expecting more snow up in, up in Buffalo. And there was, a, there was a piece that just crossed today in uh, MIT Technology Review. And there's apparently a startup that is uh, pumping sulfur into the atmosphere with the idea of increasing the reflectivity of the Earth's atmosphere to cool us more. And I'm like, wait a minute, where's the EPA when we need them? Exactly. And gl- yeah, glo- I mean, and glo- know, people are just going off. <sighs> and glo- global warming, I've been in St. Louis. The thing got down to minus 30 wind chill a few days ago. We've been out here in the outback of Texas, George. It has never been this cold before. We had eight degrees for two nights running, and it was just awful. I mean, but we, you know, we had power bills for uh, things like the feral cats. We, we put out heating pads for them and stuff, 
and I'd never seen a pile of cat sleep before. But it's really bizarre when it gets cold. This just is not normal for Texas. No, it is weird. And what, 57 people across the United States dead already? Because some of them found dead in their cars, George. And the big deal about electric cars, the boom came off that when some of the people with uh, Teslas, were, their cars got so cold they would not charge. And so uh-huh. you know, that, that's a reality check. You can't beat battery chemistry. So what's going to end up happening as a result of this, I think we'll see design changes so that EV makers will start doing things like putting batteries in ultra-heated, ultra-insulated compartments so they'll take a charge no matter what. But when you've got that kind of cold weather going on, is the grid going to have capacity to be charging up cars? Uh, Those are questions. Good point. Well, now, what do you mean by peoplenomics, George? Well, it's really the intersection of people and economics. We've gotten we've gotten the intersection screwed up. Uh, I've got a book that'll be published probably January February uh, called the One Hundred Year Toaster, and it gets back to my sailing days. I, I lived on a sailboat for ten years, and uh, I had a an old toaster I picked up at a thrift shop, and it lasted me like, oh, five or six years, but it had been built in like 1920. The thing is, toasters today typically last three, maybe five years if you're lucky, and it's a billion-dollar industry. We have gone down the road as a society of making things that break and pretending when we replace them, that's growth. That's hogwash. In reality, we can make a toaster that will last 100 years, but there's no money in it. That's right. You can't make money on that. You need something that has obsolescence to it, right? Absolutely. Obsolescence came along with the introduction by Detroit of the annual model car in about 1928 through 30, Hammondburg, as I recall. At any rate, so we have this ongoing problem. How do people get an economy that is not based on making money, but rather making the quality items, good housing, good health care, good food, uh, good education, good values, instead of just making money. And it's really a difficult problem. I I haven't found the answer, but it's been a hell of an exploration for 20-odd years working around the edges of it. 22 has been a strange year for people, George, economically. What does 23 look like to you? Uh, Don't want to be the harbinger here, but it'll probably be be a lot worse. You know, it's all really starting to gel around uh, geopolitics. I mean, you know, the the, uh, World Economic Forum has been pushing for a great reset, and they're running around under the banner of... um, Oh, what is it? Uh, corporate stakeholders. And whenever they start using terms that sound a little sketchy, they usually are. Well, the plan was for there to be an economic reset as part of COVID. But that did not come about. So now we're starting to see a reason for everybody to light off a couple of nukes 
because there's got to be a scapegoat. You've got to have a reason for an economy to fall apart. You can't have banks. You can't have political appointees and elected officials uh, taking the heat. So what ends up happening is when the economy really hits the skids, like it did in the Great Depression, uh, what followed was major wars all over the world. And we're tuning up for that. Um, We've already seen where uh, Turkey has announced plans to extend out a 12-mile territorial limit. And uh, the the tensions are building with Greece. Russia and Turkey are bitter enemies historically. Uh, Russia reportedly is getting ready to move up um, along into Moldova and points west. And here just in the last week, Kosovo and Serbia have started lighting up again, too. You've been seeing that. Yep, absolutely. And, and, and so the whole world is getting more and more tense. Now, what makes it really bad is the Biden administration, in my opinion, quite incorrectly decided rather than go in with a negotiating stance, uh, decided to weaponize a lot of things, uh, energy, food, and so forth with sanctions. And Ukraine. And Ukraine. And Ukraine is not, you know, seeing they're open to negotiation, and it begins with Russia giving everything back and going back to, uh, you know, pre-2000 border kind of areas. It's ridiculous. They're, Russia does not back down that way. I mean, you've got, regardless of the continuing hype about rumors of health issues, uh, Putin is a formidable dude. And he's got meaner uh, people behind him. And so if you know, there's all this talk that, you know, well, maybe we'll just get rid of Putin, everything will turn out roses. You could get somebody worse. We're likely to get somebody worse. It's the hardliners. And the hardliners do not mind going nuclear. And the hardliners also do not believe in limited exchange. And U.S. doctrine, eh, Maybe you could make a case we could do it, but for how long? You know, if you lose one of your major cities. And so we've got this this escalation path, and the escalation path is made worse because Russia has a lot of energy teeth. Russia makes more than 50% of the nuclear fuel rods in the world right now. And how about Ukraine's wheat? Ukraine's wheat and gas going to Germany and Poland all goes through Ukraine because the Nord Stream pipeline is down. And we still don't know who did that. My suspicion is it may have been the people in the West who are pushing so hard to get this blame somebody war going. And and so if we have Turkey decide to go to war, we've got the problems of Greece, Kosovo, uh, Russia taking on, on that whole southern tier, it could be just a horrific year. And and so this, this builds to the economy. The economy is is likely not to do very well in this kind of a sense. Just what we need to hear. George, hold on for a second. We're going to uh, come up on the break. And when we come back, I want to talk about your thoughts on cryptocurrency. I'll tell you a story of a friend of mine who dumped everything he has into cryptos. And I'll tell you what he has left. 
I'll get your talk on that, take on that, and then we've got more to talk about with George Year as we look about the year ahead, and he's also got some anti-aging techniques he wants to pass on to us. Much more to come. George Year, the urban survivalist, coming up on Coast to Coast AM. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Nori with you. George, you're with us. George, I've got a friend of mine who dabbled a little bit with cryptocurrencies, and he made a little money, and he got so aggressive, he put his entire savings, everything he had, into cryptos. And a few weeks ago, he went to get it out. Now, I'm telling you, he put everything he has in the cryptos. He went, he went on their website to get it out. His account was frozen. He can't get a hold of anybody. I think they've gone out of business. It wasn't that company that uh, that oh, guy FTX. was. Uh, yeah. It was. It was something. It's another company. He's he's up a he's up a creek. He is up a creek. And what's amazing, what's absolutely amazing to me, is I have told everybody since this whole thing began that it's going to end badly. It's a Ponzi scheme. And I had I had people I knew back in um, 2017, 2018, you know, telling me, hey, you got to get into it, got to get into it. And I said, it, it's dishonest money. It's it's not some. I mean, look, if I handed you a pencil and said, George, write down 35 characters, numbers, letters, 35 of them. Is that number worth sixteen thousand eight hundred sixty six bucks? Today, it might be. If it came out of the computer, it is. If it came out of your head, not so much. That's all Bitcoin is. That's all blockchain is. It is unique numbers. And I'm sorry, but unique numbers ain't that big a deal in the world. Yes, it, it, it can be used. There are some scientific purposes. But, but the Bitcoins went from an all-time high, November, I think it was November 8th, the same day the market peaked in, in 2021, on an aggregate basis. They were right around 68,800 briefly during the interday trading. And now, uh, as, of, as of this minute, uh, Google is reporting 16,866. Gosh. I mean, that's like a 75% haircut. Yeah, it's horrible. And, 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 you know, people just get greedy. I mean, it's, it's like South Seas bubble and everything else. And, and sure, yeah, blockchain's an interesting story. And, yeah, it has a lot of appeal to techs and quants and geeks. But when it comes down to it, it is burning through a huge amount of planetary resource. This mining is eating huge amounts of energy and we're talking about climate change and yet we turn a blind eye to bitcoin and all this high energy consumptive crypto crap uh-uh uh-uh that's somebody's lying either the either the climate's a con or the or the crypto's a con you gotta pick one because you can't have both in a world there's you know for every action opposite and equal reaction laws of physics they have not been suspended. Laws of economics still are in force. How people can put up with this, and eventually the U.S. government will get rid of cryptos. China's gotten rid of them. Other countries yep, have. Right. They're, they're not complete idiots. And if you're stuck in them like this buddy of mine oh, is, you're up a creek. Heart goes out to them, but, you know, you got to learn. 
You did, there's, there is no free lunch. And, and really, that's what has been powering America. It's like in the stock market. Same kind of thing. When you, when you look at the long-term performance of the stock market, even with today's prices, we are still in a stock bubble. We're in a stock bubble because companies used to have this thing called uh, book value. Basically, if the company were to go bankrupt and you took all their plant equipment, goodwill, trademark, marketing plans, blah, 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 inventory, sold it, you could get some money for it. Today, all of that stuff is looked at as dead wood in finance. It's an opportunity for money to be made by getting rid of inventory. One of the problems with uh, the supply chain is that we have looked at everything in a warehouse and look and assign dollars to it. And so as everybody walks through a warehouse, they go, well, look at all that waste, look at all that waste. That could be money in our bank. We could be expanding. We could be marketing. And in fact, a lot of times money came out of very useful things like inventory, plant, and equipment, went into the executive bonus pool. The guys who got the money out of inventory <laughs> took the money and scooped. And, and that's just how humans are these days. I hear you've been doing a little dabbling in time travel experiments. Oh, yes. Well, what are you doing there? Uh, I wrote I, I wrote about it quite a bit. And uh, as you know, we've got a little 16-track studio here at the house. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so just going through and listening to all of the sounds I could find, uh, I tried to emulate. In fact, there was one Coast re- uh, listener who had told me about his thumping experiment. Uh, he, he and some friends were, I think, going to Florida up in the northeast, and they were coming down the freeway late at night and the thump, thump, thump of the expansion joints. And so I spent, I can't tell you, George, how many hours in front of propeller head reason and some other drum looping stuff and most of Garretan World Orchestra and World Instruments and so forth, trying to figure out what what might that missing sound have been that may have been involved in levitation at the pyramids, apparently was involved in levitation events in uh, Tibet where the the uh, 12-foot-long Deng Shen uh, trumpets were used yep. along with yep. drums. So if you, if, you, if you just picture the drums and the trumpets, that's what I was doing. Crank up them bows, baby. Any success? Uh no, but your brain does begin to work a little differently after a couple of hours of uh, you, you know how when you walk out of a concert sometimes you you feel like you've been transported to a different place. Yeah, who was sitting next to and what they were smoking, perhaps. Uh, but but it, it it does sound over time. Uh, binaural beats is is the more clinically correct way to do those experiments but you know we do what we do and uh, the 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 real case i was trying to emulate in in soundscaping was um the uh bruce gernon uh the sound of that um beach that he flew from uh, the bahamas to florida and during that flight this was back in 1970 uh, he experienced uh, a time displacement event, and and so 
the only thing I could find that all of these events had in common was a sound. And there was usually a sound in the mid-range. Uh, the aircraft he was flying had uh, uh, an engine RPM around 2,500 RPM. Uh, there was some reflectivity, so there was a delay line. Uh, he was flying over relatively calm seas uh, on the um, calm side of the Bahamas downwind from the east as he was headed toward uh, Miami. And and so you, 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 you sit down and you pencil out all the different permutations, but, you know, you, you get to the point where the the opening for that technology may be as small as a millionth of a second. And and so if you take a, a let's say, 2,500 hertz uh, audio signal and, and you start moving two audio signals back and forth relative to one another, and I, I have really good instruments, um, you know, HP and... and um, you got good stuff, good quality. Yeah, yeah, real, real stuff, grown-up grown toys. But but when you start looking at the resolution of the instruments, you know, how precise they are and how close those harmonics may have to be, the key to the ancient levitation may have been in a different way of hearing than we hear because we've been conditioned by... Uh, the Western sense of what harmony is. And if you listen in Asia to their music, the harmonies are different. I mean, there's, you know, different uh, intonations, if you will, and the harmonics between chords are entirely different and so forth. And, and so when you start actually sitting down trying to make it work, the theory's great, <clears throat> but uh, where's that key to unlock it? Haven't found it yet, George. You will eventually. You wrote a book last year called Packing to Die. We talked a little bit about it in April when you were with me. Tell us more about that. Yeah, the, the, the cool thing about that book is um, I'm going to be hitting 74 in a couple of months. Happy birthday, Georgie. <laughs> <laughs> At 74, it's like kiss the ground. I made another one, right? Um, and you ain't that far behind me, my friend. I'm 24 years old. Oh, I'm sorry. That's my IQ. I started doing Coast when I was four. Yeah, right. And uh, Detroit Mercy? That's right. That's my college. Graduated from college at age three. Doogie Nori. That's right. I was a gifted kid. What can I say? There you go. Yeah, uh, that, that was really an interesting book for me because it's really all about what you get to take with you when you die. And the suitcase we all have is the one between our ears. And you can't take your money. You can't take your 930 turbo. You can't take your sailboat. can't take your airplane. But you can take every smile that you ever looked at. You can take everything you ever learned, everything beautiful your eyes ever beheld, every taste you can remember. That stuff is highly transportable. And when you read all the books, not all the books, even a decent assortment of books where people have had near-death experiences, there's a lot of stuff that you can change your emphasis. So at least when you die, you will have gotten something out of it. And the most important insight for me out of writing that book was that life is very much like a film school. 
wherever human consciousness comes from. And that's, you know, every, every religion's got their own theory, but they're all really similar in some ways. Everybody goes through life making a GoPro recording of the entire deal. And the literature is very clear among the NDE near-death experiencers uh, when they come back. Most of them have a life review experience. And essentially, that's where you go play back your mm-hmm. life. And it changes their lives, too. It changes their lives dramatically because it, 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 it goes so far beyond Dolby uh, because it's not just a great soundtrack. You get an emotion track. You get a feeling track. All those other aspects of how the other people present were experiencing it. And the cool thing seems to be that you're the film critic. And whether you choose to change and learn from what you did on this trip, uh, all depends on when you go, how you go, and and if you're going to come back and maybe do it again because you're a slow learner. What do you think of the theory, George, that you can't take it with you? You can take it with you. And it's just you can't take the money with you. Right. That's what I meant. Yeah. You can't take the money. You can take the love. You can take the memory. You can take the experiences. And that's why it's so much fun going through life as an adventurer, because you can do all these really cool things. And you'll nobody can ever take those away from you. Yeah, you're going to die. Everybody's going to die. But... You can you can walk out as the richest guy in the afterlife, or you can be one of those people that you know works twenty years, you know hits hits the big sixty seven or whatever the number is to retire this week, sits in front of the couch. Death comes along three years later because they're eating junk food, and that's the end of it. And so it's really, a really uh, it's a matter of personal choice and doing some really basic planning to take care of things like health care and, uh, honestly, the, the Medicare Advantage plans are phenomenal these days. My wife had uh, two hip replacements oh, last wow. year. Oh, wow. And I think our total out-of-pocket cost was on the order of 4000 bucks. That's not bad. And how's she feeling? Oh, she gets, it's better than ever. That's great. Better than ever. And, and, and so she's walking, no pain, nothing. Uh, it was a little strange at the driver's license place. She ended up being about two inches shorter than before. But that's what happens when your hips come out. That's right. And, and they put something else in. Uh, but but seriously, 4000 bucks for probably 300000 400000 worth of uh, rack rate medicine. Uh, that's amazing. So, yeah, I mean, in, anybody who's a senior who has not looked into uh, Medicare Advantage plans, um, really, it, it's too late for this year, but just keep it in mind if you're not on one already, because they, they do things like, uh, uh, we just got a couple of $150, uh, prepaid credit cards. Go use these for your over the counter medications. It's like, what? <laughs> it's like found money. It's great. It. What do you think of prayer, George? What do I think of it? Uh-huh. Uh, do it all the time because... When I look at my life, I see a pattern of accomplishing intent. And intent is what materializes. uh, It's critical. It's critical. 
Uh, and, and I was, I was, in fact, I was looking at your bio, George, and it's been about uh, 2016, I think, when Night Talk came out. You're about due to write another book, my friend. I, I've been so busy with these TV projects and in, uh, in the program, but uh, you're right. I mean, I'm overdue. I just haven't jumped into it yet. Well, the prayer would be a really interesting one because so many people. Uh, there's a there's a great. I, I don't know if you've ever talked to him, uh, but he he wrote a book called um, "Calling What Is Not There" or something to that effect. Uh, I'll, I'll look his name up during the break, but but the book it's like a dollar ninety nine. All right, speaking of the break, we're coming up to it right now, George. We're also going to take calls with you next hour here on Coast to Coast AM.